We welcome in our our worship center uh, from our a cappella service in this morning and our live stream audience. We're grateful for you guys being here and uh, it was just kind of recognized our youth uh, this morning. They they led worship on this side and what a wonderful job they did. I saw a lot of mamas and daddies smiling and crying and and uh, maybe somebody's sister uh, was crying too when I turned around. I was not because I don't cry very easily. Those of you who know me know that's not true. I'm a crybaby. But uh, anyways, that's okay. But very, very proud of you guys. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, we have, I am told and, and watched that we have an ace in the house. Yeah. Christian Lewis was recognized this week as an Aaron's ace. He is a senior basketball player at Wasman High School. Uh, he's not in the, in this instrumental service. He's in the acapella service. He's down there by the men's baptistry dressing room. So Christian, I'm sorry, stand and take a wave. And we're going to applaud for you on this side. And I know they are on that side as well. And so congratulations on that. Uh, and he comes from a long line of, of great basketball players. So I'd never played against them. I wasn't good enough. And so uh, thank you, Christian, uh, for, for using your talents there. We also have another ace, uh, Clark Goodwin. Come on up here, Clark. Clark Goodwin is our scripture reader this morning. Clark. Clark is a junior in high school, and he is uh, what I call one of the Goodwin Five. Uh, five very talented uh, siblings, uh, or make a sibling group of five, and uh, and our wonderful, very ace talented Cajon player this morning. So, Clark, read with us for us, would you? Oh, there you go. Psalms 18, verses 25 through 29. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To those with integrity, you show your integrity. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the crooked, you show yourself shrewd. You rescue the humble. But you humiliate the proud. You light a lamp for me. The Lord my God lights up my darkness. In your strength, I can crush an army. With my God, I can scale any wall. Amen. Thank you, Clark. Good job. Thank you. Appreciate you. With my God, we can scale any wall. I love that. Uh, If you're reading Psalms, uh, you should be towards the end, somewhere around a 140-ish, somewhere in there. If you haven't read Psalms this month, just by show of hands in here, how many of you have read Psalms with us this month? Okay, quite a few. Uh, The feedback we've gotten on that has been so good. I hope it's blessed your life. Well, I know it's blessed your life if you've read it. It's blessed your life. And and so thank you for doing that. If you weren't able to keep up, that's okay. There's a a, a little button on that app that says catch up. It'll catch you up right where you are. And that's okay. If, well, I just, that's a lot to read in 31 days. That's okay. You got, you got a lot of days, and that's fine. Start over. I try to read Psalms a couple of times a year uh, in that fashion, and it's uh, started that several years ago, and it really does uh, bless your life. Uh, so keep doing that. Ever been on the run? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ever run from something or somebody or... Uh, been chased by something. I see you, Amy. <laughs> the uh, uh, so it's uh, you know today uh, in Psalm 18, as Clark read, Clark uh, read from a time when David was on the run, 
And we see this a lot in David's life. He's on the run uh, from his enemies, uh, has a time of peace and conquering, then he gets on the run again. Uh, often uh, he is there. We use this at this particular time in Psalm 18. He's early in his life, uh, in the narrative of his life that we read, and he's running from Saul and hiding, and, and people are out to get him, so he's, he's on the run. Uh, we're using that as a jumping-off point to get to our text today, where, once again, we find David on the run. So we're going to be in two alternating texts today. We're going to be in Psalm 3, but before we get to Psalm 3, we're going to be in 2 Samuel 15. So if you're a, if you're a physical Bible person, um, hold a hand there or put those little... little uh, ribbons in there so you can find your place back and forth if you are an electronic person i don't know i don't know if my fingers can move that fast or not uh to get back and forth maybe you and your neighbor can can be in alternating places but david was on the run again here in psalm 3 and second samuel 15 this is the second part of uh this this series in the in this two-part, well, this whole thing of Psalms, but two-part lesson Alan started last night on relation, or last week, rather, on relationships. Uh, last week, he introduced this idea of renewed relationships and creating a legacy, drove home the idea of changing our legacy or continuing one that's been given, and, and actually came from a song of Asaph, which we found out 400 years uh, into the future uh, was a legacy that, that Asaph had created or continued. And then Josh's testimony, wow, just preached itself, didn't it? Uh, just a, a testimony of, of an engrafted branch and continuing uh, a legacy. We do that not only with our physical family, but we also do that with our forever family. Where we were or what we were known for is not who we are now or who we are becoming. And it's because a change has been made. And, and I've often said this, it's, it's, it's not like I've got to make this huge, big turn. Uh, repentance is a turn, but it could be just a little bit of turn from one direction from where I was going. And exponentially, it goes into a totally different life. And so it's, it's that continual walking where the exponential turn and change we see take place. And we do that not only with our physical families. If you've not inherited a, a great picture of what family can look like, you can find a biblical picture of what your family looks like. But also all your relationships, the relationships that you share day-to-day -day with people, whether you are married, whether you are single, whether you find yourself single again, you can find yourself in godly relationships. And we, those things are renewed. Those relationships are renewed by God's grace, especially whenever you're going through a hard time. Alan mentioned that last week, that Asaph went through some hard times, not only physically, but also uh, in life, but also in his own mind with some doubt. Today, we're going to drill down into that thought as we took take a look at relationships during dark times. Now, there's a lot of places to go today and a lot of flipping back and forth. So if you don't get anything, get this. The point to, gra the, to grasp today is relationships are not optional. They're essential. You've got to have godly people around you to help speak life and truth in you uh, for that. One of the blessings of the gospel is that Jesus established his church, his called-out body, 
He calls it the body. He calls it his bride. He calls it his family. 1 Corinthians 12 says, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part is honored and rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. It doesn't matter who you are, where you look like, where you come from. If you've been baptized in Christ, guess what? You are a part of his body. Well, I just don't have much to offer. You have plenty to offer. You have a ton to offer. Well, I'm just not an upfront guy. That's okay. I'm sometimes not an upfront guy either. Behind the scenes is great. And that is fine. You are in need of people. Those relationships are never more vital than when we're hurting and under attack. We need to be in relationships. And that's where David finds himself. In our text today, and, uh, David finds himself on the run again. Only this time, this on the run is hitting a little bit closer to home. This one is particularly troubling. Up until this point, and uh, kind of give you a little fly, broad fly over here of 2 Samuel 15, it's been a bad season for David. Uh, we're past Goliath, we're past him uh, conquering all the people, and he comes in and there's been adultery, there's been murder, there's been scorn, there's been guilt, there's been shame and confrontation, and all of that. And it's coming off of a bad season. Now a rebellious son named Absalom launches a subtle campaign to take over the kingdom. A little coup d'etat, if you will, from inside his own family. Second Samuel 15. We're going to read a little bit there. Uh, <clears throat> verse 13. 2 Samuel 15, verse 13. A messenger came and told David, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. Then David said to all his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, Come, we must flee, or, n or none of us will escape from Absalom. We must leave immediately, or he will move quickly to overtake us and bring ruin upon us and put the city to the sword. The king's officials answered, Your servants are ready to do whatever our lord the king chooses. The king set out with his entire household following him. But he left ten concubines to take care of the palace. Now just pause right there for a second. That's a little glimmer of hope that there is something to come back to. We're going to come back, but we'll get to that later. So the king set out with all the people following him, and they halted at a place some distance away. And all his men marched past him, along with the Carathites, the Pelathites, and all six hundred of the Gittites who had accompanied him from Gath marched before the king. You can see this scene here. He's running from his son, and they're outside the city. They come through the city, and, and, and they're at the last point of it, and he stops. And then everybody that's following him is, is walking in front of him. And it's all the emotions and all the thoughts that go through his mind, his rebellious son, and the fallout from it. Many of you are parents know the pain of a rebellious child and the heartache and, and the crying that happens. Many of you have been that rebellious child and know the pain of burnt bridges and hurt and damaged relationships. And thus, the, the words of Psalm chapter 3 or Psalm 3, 1 and 2 now makes sense. As he surveys this and takes all this sin, away, running away from his, from his son who's trying to kill him, 
and he sees that so many are against him and only a few are for him. How many are my foes, verse 1? How many rise up against me? Imagine the scene as he left, walking through the city and those who were staying with Absalom, the mockery, the scorn, and, and, the, and the insults they hurled. Many, verse 2, are saying to me, God will not deliver him. Even God can't save him as he walks by. And he walks and he sees this ragtag bunch immediately leaving the city for as they have to walk through this gauntlet of mockers. He's gone too far. God has left him. He can't be helped. No doubt even some of those who are following and even trying to help might have even been skeptical. Really? I mean, what's going to happen here? You ever been there? Those, those words that people say, the mockers, the people that come in. And, and, you know, granted, there may be bridges burned, but they, they say things and they pierce and they grow those seeds of doubt and seeds of, of disappointment, seeds of, of shame, bury into us, into our souls, into our minds, and they germinate quickly and the roots go deep. And, boy, we spend the rest of our life trying to dig them out, don't we? Ever been there? We all have. And we'll probably be there again. But then we turn to verse 3. But you. But you. Here's the contrast in the situation. Here's the truth in spite of what the circumstances look like. And don't we do that? Don't we get to looking at our circumstances and think, it's all down, it's all down from here. It's, there's nothing good can happen. My son is against me. He's taken over my kingdom. I have this ragtag household left. And there's just a few that are following me. I don't know what to do. How many are my enemies? Maybe they're right. Maybe God can't save me. But then we look at the truth of the situation. And let me tell you, even in our darkest times, truth has got to reign. We have to go with the fact over the feeling. We have to believe what God says, who He is, who He says we are in Him, and what He is doing for us instead of what our emotions tell us. John wrote in 1 John that when our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. When our emotions keep us down, we've got to go with the truth of the situation. And that is sometimes tough to do. Sometimes we need people around us. And this is what he says in verse 3. O Lord, you are a shield about me. You bestow glory on me and you lift my head. And it may look like I'm surrounded, but what? I'm surrounded by who? Yeah, you know the song. I was going to sing it, but I wouldn't do that to you. The, uh, it may be that we're surrounded by God's enemy, but we're shielded by God. The mockers may pile on high and they may malign because of the situation. But God sees past the situation and bestows glory on us. When the enemy and his minions oppress, we cry out, Lord, lift my head. You ever had your head lifted? You ever had that moment when you couldn't hold your head up because you were too oppressed or too ashamed or too scared? And that person or people come in and they just hold you right there by the chin and they lift your head up. You ever had that? And they may dry your tears and they may put a touch on you and they may pull you in and hold you tight. Boy, that's a feeling that you just can't, you just don't, you don't even have words. And words don't even have to be spoken. When his head was lifted, what did he do? Verse 4, to the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me. 
from his holy hill. He cried out to God, and the Lord answered. One way he answered was with people. From 2 Samuel 15, uh, verse 19, all the way to 16, verse 4, there were several situations that happened in that, in that text. As David is standing there and people are coming by, and then as they continue on, several incidents happen. Several shields come around David during this evacuation uh, from, from their city, from their palace. He was introduced, uh, we've already been introduced in verse 15 to people in his own household that said, we're with you, we're with you. We're not sure where this is going to go, but we're with you. But then throughout the text you get these people. In 19 through 21, we see how he's shielded from unsuspecting companions. There's this guy named Ittai the Gittite. It's got a little ring to it, doesn't it? Ittai the Gittite. Somebody ought to write a song about Ittai the Gittite from Gath. He's an unlikely foreigner from the land of, of Goliath that David conquered. And he comes and he surrounds with a pledge. And he, he comes to David as David is standing there. And David says, why are you here? You just came here. Go back. He said, whether it's life or death, I'm with you. And he gathers the 600 people that's with him and they walk on. Not knowing where they're going, but they walk on. There's Hushai the Archite. He comes along. And he finds uh, this guy, Hushai, as he's walking up the mountain and he's torn his robe and he's put uh, dust on his head because he's mourning. He's sad of what's happening. And he says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm sad because of what's going on. And he said, please, go back. Go back into the city. Put on a new robe. Clean yourself up. And you listen for what's going on. You be inside the court of my son Absalom and you let us know what they're saying. So he goes back, and in support, he is a spy for David. Another unlikely shield is Ziba, and he provides some provisions and supplies. He's an old man that was there to take care of Mephibosheth, who was Jonathan's son that David gave a place of honor to because of his relationship with Jonathan. And this is the steward of that guy, and he comes in, and he's saddling up all these donkeys and all these provisions and all these supplies, and he says, what are you doing? He says, this is for you to ride on, and this is to supply your household and your people. And he says, where's Mephibosheth? He said, he went back, and he's with Absalom. He said, everything that was his is now yours. He's an old man now, and he can't walk, and he can't go with him, but I can sure give you some supplies and help you along your way. There was, as he passed by, even more, as he came through the countryside, there were people weeping and wailing and mourning because of their loyalty to David and they saw what was happening. Shielded by people. You ever had those times when that person you don't even know comes up and hugs your neck and says, I love you and I'm glad you're here and I'm praying for you? The unlikely ones and you're like, who are you? I don't even know you, but I've been praying for you. The ones that maybe drop you a card in the mail that say, I'm proud of you. Thank you. I see your progress. Those are those unlikely shields that the Lord puts around us that encourages us. About 25, 26 years ago, a lot of you know, Karen and I went through a pretty tough time in our life. And that over the next several weeks, I got cards and letters uh, from 
from people in different house churches and people in our congregation. Some I knew, some I didn't. Um, one house church uh, in particular uh, took the night and prayed for Karen. I didn't even know what was happening. And they wrote notes and cards and even had their kids. And I have three, three, three pictures. I still keep all these things in a folder in my desk. And they, they, drew, they drew pictures, you know, just, just, I mean, who doesn't like a crayon picture from a kid? Doesn't that make you smile, you know? They didn't know what they were doing, but God provided them as a shield. Those unlikely, those un, that we did, unsuspecting shields about us. Then there's the shield of spiritual leaders. 2 Samuel 15, 24 talks about Zadok, the high priest, coming out with the Ark of the Covenant, and they're offering sacrifices to God, seeking His blessing, seeking His guidance in this situation. And he was David's high priest, and he showed up and offered sacrifices to God. It is something, it's a powerful thing, when in dark times your spiritual mentors show up. Whenever the people that have spoken life into you, when people, when you don't know what to do and you call and you're like, hey, I've got this, or they, you don't even have to call, they just show up. They hear about it and they just show up. It's a powerful thing. I've had that in my life. Hopefully you've had that uh, in your life. However, it is, it is one of the dilemmas of, of being a spiritual mentor or a leader because there are sometimes you find out about things after the fact, and you, you didn't show up. Or you realize, you know what, I missed that one. And boy, those of us who, who try to speak life into people, you're like, oh man, I missed that opportunity. And then you're like, oh, what about this? Do I do this? So an encouragement is let people know what's going on with you. We can't speak life into something that we don't know needs to be spoken life into. And if we've messed up and failed to shield you, shield you, Give us some grace and let us know. And let's, let's, let's start from here, shielding you so we know what to do. It's a powerful thing whenever God's people show up to shield us. Well, it goes on and says this in, in Psalm 3, starting in verse 5, that this God-ordained shielding does several things for us. One, it gives peace. It says in the first part of verse 5, I lie down and sleep. You ever had those things that keep you up at night? Or you lie down and, and, and you start hearing bumps and you're just not so sure and, and what's between your ears won't turn off because it's too, it's too busy? Yeah. I lie down and sleep. I'm one that lies down and I sleep, but I wake up quick thinking about it. Uh, and, and then I can't sleep after that. The, the, uh, it gives peace. This shielding, when I know I'm shielded, by relationships and God's people, I can lie down and I can sleep. And not only that, it gives strength. Next part of verse 5 says this, because the Lord sustains me. He's the one that holds me up. He holds my right hand. He holds my left hand. He is supporting me when I maybe can't walk in myself. And He puts people in situations. And whenever we lie down and, and sleep, because the Lord sustains us, it does several things. It encourages faith. It gives us peace. It gives us strength. It encourages faith. I will not fear the ten thousands drawn up against me. What I see is around me. I will not fear it. I will have faith 
In 2 Kings chapter 6, much later on, maybe the prophet was thinking about this when he, he, this moment when he prayed and told his servant, don't be afraid, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And after he prayed, the Lord opened up his servant's eyes. And what did he see? He saw horses and chariots of fire surrounding the prophet. Greater is the one who is inside of us than he who is in the world, John would say. I will not fear the ten thousands drawn against me. I will be delivered. Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies in the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. Knock them out. Knock them down for the count. He realized the victory before it even happened. He's on the run, but he knew that the victory, and he had faith and was encouraged. Not only that, but it encourages blessing. Verse 8, from the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. The one who is shielded, the one shielded is blessed. I'm blessed because I'm shielded by God's people. And those who shield are blessed. And I promise you, if you feel like, oh, I don't want to be a burden, and that's one of my strongholds, I don't want to be in the way, I don't want to be a burden, so a lot of times I'll put things in and not, not let people know what's really going on. But I tell you what, I, and it's the very thing I, I preach against, you know, no, 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 let's, let's walk this thing together. But I struggle with that in my own life. When many of us have been there for people, and we are so blessed and honored to do that. You know, when you were, when you show up for somebody, when you show up for somebody, it it's a blessing to you to show up, is it not? You, I, oftentimes we get more out of serving than the person that's being served, uh, and it's it's amazing. And we could tell stories and stories and stories about that. That's what renewing relationships do. That's how we are renewed by relationships. The power of relationships is seen today uh, in our testimony video we're about to watch. So, guys, if you would, roll that. My name's Leslie, and I am living a renewed life through relationships. Um, I have been at White's Ferry Road for about 10 years. Um, I came to the church through um, the recovery program that's now Transformations. I was one of the first ladies to go through transformations before it was transformation. Um, I was went through inpatient treatment in 2014 and then uh, into that straight away into that house. Um, my relationships before becoming a Christian were um, empty. They were lacking. Um, it, it now looking back, I can see there was almost. Um, like a Christ-shaped hole that I was trying to fill with different things, relationships, drugs, alcohol, just different things. I'm trying to fill that emptiness on the inside of me that I would later come to know was the love of Jesus and his forgiveness. So the relationships in my life have changed, maybe not so much in the last 10 years, but in the last six months pretty significantly. Um, I've had a, a deterioration in a very close um, family relationship that's been very difficult for me. Um, I've had to put up some pretty firm boundaries um, and, and it hasn't really been very easy. Being connected to other believers has been vital in the last six months. It's been um, 
the women of the church. I, I responded one Sunday um, for prayer, and as David was praying over me, I looked to my left and I looked to my right, and I just saw. the generational faith families of this church coming on the side of me to lift my arms up when I felt like I couldn't lift my own arms up to ask the Lord for help. And it was a pivotal moment in this part of my journey that I realized that God let me just crack the window of heaven open just for a moment to see that that great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. And I was so grateful, so grateful for that. Um, my relationships now are fulfilling. Um, I get to do ministry with one of my very best friends. Um, we get to share the gospel all day, every day with people. Um, I, I get to build relationships with women who are new to this church. Um, I get to fulfill that I'm a people person and I just never knew it. I get to be Jesus with skin on, as some people say. You know, God's really gifted me with a lot of abilities to be to meet people where they are and have a lot of understanding about other people and I don't take that gift lightly and I, I really try to foster those relationships and be there for people. So the advice that I would that I give other people about building renewed relationships um, is just to keep going even when it's difficult even when it seems like you're drowning and you can't hold your head above water Number one, reach out to your community of people that you've built because those are the people that are going to link arms with you and walk you to the other side of it so that you can breathe. And another thing is that those people and fostering those relationships is vital in your walk with Christ. And they may not look the same in 10 years, but right now it is so important to be there for those people just as much as they're there for you. Um, a scripture that I have uh, held close during this season of life is Psalm 68, verse 6, and it says, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. And so while I may not have a very firm bond with my earthly given family, the family that the Lord has provided for me in this season has truly been like the air that I breathe, that I've needed them so much, and they have carried me when I felt like I couldn't even crawl. And I'm just, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for them and for everything that they've done for me, for this church. I mean, I, it, I can't even verbalize or put into words how much that this church and the, the families at this church and the women at this church have just done for me. Thank you. My name is Leslie Kutchins, and this is my renewed life. Thank you, Leslie. Leslie has a beautiful gift of speaking life into people.
Uh, if you've had a bad day, go get some time with Leslie. Uh, go hang out in the, the CR resource room on Friday nights. Uh, she leans in as if you, uh, if she's been sitting there waiting for you all day long, and you're the only one in the world. She just speaks life. Her smile is radiant. Her joy is contagious. How is she able to do that? Jesus. Jesus in her comes out. How did that get in there? Through the gospel. And then God put Jesus' people around her who spoke life into her. And I love how she says it. They're vital. They're vital. Now she pours into others. So what's our take home? You know, when things go bad, we have a tendency to isolate. Things aren't good. We don't want to burden people. We don't necessarily want to talk about it. But I'm telling you, alone is never a good place to be when we are in need. That's when we need people to lean into us and put ourselves in a situation to be leaned into. We're vulnerable. We need people to, to speak life into us. Growth is best done in relationships with one another. Relationships in Christ live forever. Hence the term, forever family. Have a great opportunity uh, that was mentioned on the announcement video last week and, and this week uh, for that to happen. Growing gospel-centered families and relationships. And as we've said, whether you find yourself uh, married, uh, single, single again, grandparent, aunt, uncle, whatever, uh, there's, there's biblical principles about growing relationships and, and, and not just in our physical families, but in our forever families, and they, they overlap. And so the QR code's on the screen. We have room for about 15 more people if you're interested. we got about 15 or 16 already signed up, and those groups will start next week. Scan that code, and we'll get you plugged in. If you need more information, holler at me, holler at Josh, holler at Spencer. Uh, the other thing is this. There's two sides of that. Put yourself in a position to be poured into. But the other is pour into people. Look for people who come in and maybe sit by themselves every week. Well, I wonder who that is. Go find out. Go say, hey, my name's whatever. And, and, and my line is, and a lot of you have heard it, I may have met you ten times, but on the eleventh time it's probably going to click. And that's okay. That's okay. Uh, make the initiative, uh, take the initiative to do that. Invite them in so that they can have life spoken into. What, what do they think they need uh, life spoken into them? Are they a breathing, alive human being? Yes, they need life spoken into them. The one who slips in, who sits by themselves, they need uh, life spoken into them. The one that's friends with everybody in the room immediately, they need life spoken into them. So we end where we start. Relationships are not optional. They're essential, or as Leslie said, they're vital. When we walk with Jesus, you walk with His people. It's not a walk that we do alone. Those relationships are found first in a relationship with Jesus. God became flesh, become one of us, to initiate a redemptive relationship with us. He died on a cross to bridge the brokenness in that relationship. He rose from the dead to break the relationship that sin had created with physical death. 
He went back to heaven where he keeps a line open for us to keep that spiritual in connection relationship with the Father that, that we so need. That Leslie talked about that Jesus void in her life we tried to fill. It's filled through Jesus Christ. And then you know what he does? He puts us in a body of believers to surround us and speak life into us and to help us and carry us and walk. And then for us to help carry other people. That is the invitation to be blood-bought kin, baptized into him, raised to walk a new life and relationship. If you need that, desire that, need, need to renew that in any way, do so while we stand and sing.